from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. It is May 23rd of 2017. The Rays are currently playing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That's the end of the name, right? That's just where it ends. Uh, and it is the seventh inning. Uh, the bases are loaded. Uh, we record this with the game on in the background, and it's a really interesting moment to jump in here. There is a 2-2 count with two outs to Derek Norris, and I don't know why we didn't just wait for this at-bat to be done because I'm now completely enthralled in, in this moment. Um, shortly before this, Matt Shoemaker finally got chased from the game. After six solid innings, he started losing his location a little bit. And, oh, Norris just struck out. Oh, God bless it. The Rays are, you guessed it, fourth in the division. <laughs> uh, the Yankees are still up top with 26 wins. The Orioles have 25. Uh, the Red Sox have 22. And the Rays have 23. And that's where it gets a little confusing early on. We can't all have a dome. The Red Sox have been rained out. All the teams have been rained out. But the Rays have played a total of um, 47 games. And they are 23-24, and 24, soon to be 23-25 and 25 if the score holds in this Angels game. So they're still hovering around 500, which is good enough to stay in contention. Um, you know, they're slightly above 500 at home, slightly below on the road. But they've won uh, two of the games in each of the last three series. So the Rays are, you know, it's not like they're just treading water. They're staying competitive, and I think good things should be on the way. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd hope so. This has been sort of, uh, it's getting late early um, at this point because they, you know, they kind of treaded water through the, the first month, and that kind of kept them in it. Um, and now they've, I mean, they've still had a really tough record. The worst teams they've faced are, you know, still like the Blue Jays and the, and the Royals, who have good mm-hmm. teams. Um, <clears throat> they've just had a rough start. So it's, it's, they haven't really faced, you know, too many cream puffs, uh, so far. So yeah, it'll be nice to, I, you know, I don't know, just try to try to rattle off some wins. They've, they've been winning some series, um, that would, that would come to an end, uh, if they score holds tonight. Um, and they got up above 500 just, you know, two nights ago and we're in third place just two nights ago. But it's one of those things where, Staying competitive uh, and, and keeping close at a certain point, it will be almost too late before you know to really make up that ground because you you are going to potentially you know you're going to lose uh, a bunch of games over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. The later the the less games there are left, suddenly that percentage uh, that you need to win goes up and up and up, and that's every single day. So you know a close loss here and there, you know that's going to happen. That's that's baseball. It's a game of inches. If you lose about 12 of those, suddenly now you don't have any wiggle room come September. Um, right. And so the Rays aren't aren't at that point yet, but they are quickly, quickly running out of any available, um, I guess, you know, rope. Uh, yeah, or one of the things I think room. we, yeah, we, we'll be looking back at early May, I think, at the end of the year and say, oh, how did this impact our season? Because... Uh, the Rays have been doing work against good teams. They went into Boston and took two of three. They went into Cleveland and took two of three. They came home and hosted the Yankees and took two of three. And now they're playing the Angels, who are a decent team this year. 
But what hurts is right before that, there was a home series against Toronto and then a home series against the Royals. They could only win one game against Toronto. They lost Chris Archer's start to kick off the series on May 5th. And then uh, two days later on that Sunday, they lost Alex Cobb's start by a score of 2-1. to one. The Royals series was four games, and uh, they only took one of them. When they, when they scored 12 runs in that game, uh, Archer just bounced back and was dominant. It was great and made everybody feel good. It made Martin Fennelly feel good at the times, if you... <laughs> Uh, we'll get we'll get to the times in a second, but uh, they lost a overtime game in the twelfth inning, seven to six, and that's the game against the Royals at home that you need to win. And those are those season altering kind of games that need to go your way because those pile up, as you were saying. And uh, so right now, the Angels series isn't going our way. Uh, it is a four-game series, so hopefully they can split it and then just move on. Then the road trip starts in Minnesota, Texas, Seattle, and they come back home. Uh, one of the unfortunate things right now is Steven Souza Jr., so we could start with him. Uh, Steven Souza got hit in the hand a couple uh, a weekish ago, and he's not hitting very well right now. He's hitting 100, and I'm concerned because it feels like this is the narrative for Steven Souza. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a return to form in a way. Like anytime good things happen for Steven Souza, uh, reality will be there to just like Lucy in the football, just yank it right back out from under him. And um, yeah, he I mean he started off. We talked about how how hot he started off along with Logan Morrison and Corey Dickerson, um, and those guys have kept on playing well. And unfortunately. Yeah, since the months turned over to May and since that hand injury, um, Sousa's just not hitting nearly as well, not not driving the ball, not um, not looking as comfortable at the plate and mm. putting in some really he's expanding the zone more. He's he's not being the Steven Sousa that he was to start the season. And, you know, I don't know how much of that is the hand is- issue, how much of that is natural regression um, I do think the hand thing might be a big, big deal. And kind of Sousa's MO is this, you know, he's a guy that just goes hard, like 100% of the time. He is very hard on himself, and he's very, you know, driven. So I he would be a guy that if, you know, you had to peg, like, somebody who would not necessarily hide an injury, but, like, play through what would be, an injury that a lot of players would probably just say, you know, like, yeah, but let, let me take the 10 days. Um, it would be Sousa. He, he's a guy that would, I think, just want to kind of push through. And that and that could be a problem because, you know, if you're not quite 100% hitting a baseball is incredibly hard. And uh, right. suddenly when you have any kind of um, anything working against you, then it becomes just that much harder. He's He's not in a contract year or something like that. So I don't know why he would be playing through something that he shouldn't be playing through. It's not like that kind of situation where guys were just like, Oh, I need to, I need to prove myself. I need to buck up. Uh, Colby Rasmus is a good example of that. Uh, last season he had bleeding coming out of the ear and he didn't tell his trainers and then he needed ear surgery and hip surgery. Like that's the kind of guy that I worry about that happening with. Um, Sousa, I feel like he's a known quantity in that Ron Porterfield and, uh, uh, you know, Coco Eaton, all those guys in there, they, they're able to 
assess the situation, sit down with these players and figure out like, how hurt are you? Can you play through this? Um, but it, it just seems really obvious that Souza was good. You know, he hit 3.30 in April. He got hit in the hand, and it was disgusting. If you were watching the game, it was uh, it sounded like um, taking two pieces of wood of slapping them together. Yeah, the it, sound was immediately kind of and it, it was a it was a baseball against bone. It just sounded you know like a, a like a nightmare. I just don't even like thinking about it right now. I'm getting the heebie-jeebies, but that doesn't really translate well on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> he. He was down for the count and, you know, popped back up and he ended up playing. But going from hitting 330 to 110 and that swinging on that injured hand, uh, I think I think the story writes itself. Um, yeah. And though he, you know, he, he is struggling a little bit at the plate. He is still drawing his walks. He is still um, contributing a bit, uh, you know, on, in the field as well. Um, that's true. He's yeah, like almost 300 on base percentage, you know, yeah. on the strength of his walks. Yeah. So he like, so not to like kind of say like he's, you know, completely turned into a pumpkin. Um, he, he's still like a useful player. It's just, he is kind of lower in the batting order right now. Tim Beckham kind of jumped him for this game. He Beckham's uh, hitting out of the f- fifth hole and Seuss was down, I think in the seventh hole. Um, mm-hmm. so he's still a useful guy. You still want him in the game. Um, but, you know, when it comes up to that, you know, bases loaded situation, like in this game today, uh, you know, you want the Sousa from just, you know, a couple weeks ago because right. you got to imagine he at least drives that to the outfield, gets the sack fly or, you know, brings all the ducks home. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the sad kind of start for Sousa. Hopefully he can recover. Um, there's a couple more off days coming up, so maybe that'll help him out. Maybe also give him a couple rest days against some righties. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, when I say the story writes, him, writes itself, Sousa's always going to get hurt. That's just the kind of player that he is. He plays with reckless abandon, and he's willing to run into any wall in any game situation just to make, uh, you know, a play. Not even complete the play, but to make sure he gets out there and tries his hardest. Um, uh, he's definitely Charlie Brown, and I think that we have a new nickname for, for Sousa. Um <laughs> Uh, but the race out just of town, have that, have that instead of the Space Jam theme song. That can be like when you know he walks up to the plate. Just have the <laughs> well when he <laughs> walks away right now. It's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor Susan. Oh, that I mean that would be good walk-up music. Do 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 do. So, but as, when I say they have a type, I think the other player that they acquired, you know, not too long after that played with reckless abandon, that had you know. 60 grade power like we're talking like an ideal great defender with strong power uh you know less of an arm but maybe more of a hitting ability was Corey dickerson and he's the guy that we should really be talking about right now because he is the dream scenario for uh any offensive player um if we go to the leaderboard on fan graphs or you know your your desired website uh and you just open it Corey Dickerson's in the top 10. And that alone is really exciting because these leaderboards function on wins above replacement for the most part. And Corey Dickerson is a designated hitter, which means the whole fielding component isn't really a, a, a big contributor right now for him. Uh, but it goes Mike Trout on Fangraphs today, again, May 23rd. Mike Trout, 
Miguel Sano with the Twins, Freddie Freeman with the Braves. Who, who is Bryce also Harper. now out with a... Uh, uh, oh, gosh, yeah, yeah man. Brutal. Speaking of bad, like, uh, pitch, you know, ball on bone in issues. Oh, that's so right. Man, what a sad day. And that was his big home... And this has been a huge home run year for Freddie, too. He yeah, uh, not, not necessarily known, not known for his home run abilities. I mean, he's always been a tremendous hitter, um, but kind of more like almost like a Joey Votto type where, you know, gets just a great overall hitter, extra bases on base percentage, but mm-hmm. maybe not the big home run, you know, first baseman. Um, but yeah, this year, 14 home runs and yeah, real shame for Freddie. Yeah. And we glanced over Miguel Sano there. Uh, we will be seeing him this weekend in the Twins series that's coming up. Uh, he has an ungodly 35% strikeout rate, uh, but also a 17% walk rate. So he, he, he'll he be is, really interesting to watch. He's just like a, right now, a, just a king of three true outcomes. He's basically striking out, walking, or hitting it long. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's definitely a kid. So, so Trout, Sano, uh, Freddie Freeman, sorry, buddy. And then it goes Bryce Harper, to be expected. Paul Goldschmidt to be accepted, uh, expected, and then Corey Dickerson. So my man is leading every category that you could want him to lead for designated hitters. And uh, the, the Rays have a cool opportunity here to say, hey, look at him because of the all-star voting process. And I think our website is going to be doing that as well. Uh, whenever we talk about the all-star game coming up, encouraging people to vote. There's no reason why people shouldn't be voting for Corey Dickerson unless you're a Mariners fan and you just really love Nelson Cruz or something like that. <laughs> uh, it, Corey Dickerson has been the full package, and uh, it's 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 beautiful. I'm just so excited. Yeah, he's he's been doing it all. I mean, he's a uh, he has got a beautiful swing, um, a kind of almost violent swing as well. It's like a it's a sweet swing, but it's also like a very violent um, mm-hmm. swing. I I kind of I do sort of we're going to talk a lot about you know going to really dive into what makes Corey Dickerson so kind of awesome and amazing and super fun to watch but um he obviously generates a ton of power he swings hard like all the time uh he is just up there ready to like just mash mash baseballs um and he will swing at practically everything he has like a a, a zone of um quite a bit he he will expand that zone kind of a little reminiscent of like Vladimir Guerrero to me, a guy that would mm. just go up there being like, I have a bat. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hit, I'm just going to swing. I'm going to swing. If you throw in the dirt, I'm going to swing and I'm going to mm-hmm. golf it for a Homer. If you throw it up at my eyes, I'm going to swing high. I'm going to, I'm going to smash it for a Homer. Is that a pitch out Homer? Uh, basically any, <laughs> anywhere I'm going to swing and swing hard. Um, so he, he will expand his own, but his, you know, his ISO is at what? 299 right now. 13th best, best in all of the major leagues, um, American League and, and uh, National League. Um, so yeah, that's it's a different you know, conversation if we start filtering on just American League, which is fun to do, and we can do that. Yes, yeah. A lot of those names you mentioned, uh, Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper, Paul Goldschmidt, not uh, not American League hitters. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's, um, I mean, Trout's just, you know, if you filter out not National League and not Mike Trout division, because he really, you know, doesn't just des- you don't deserve to be compared mm. to Mike Trout because entity unto himself for sure. <laughs> exactly, he he's in more conversations with you know uh, Willie Mays and Babe Ruth. So basically, that's its own little thing. But yeah, Corey Dickerson absolutely crushing it. Power, 
um, hitting for average, uh, getting on base too, walking. Um, so Corey Dickerson to kind of, you know, sort of profile him a little bit. If you, if you do not know, um, which you should, he is, he is kind of awesome. He had his big breakthrough with the Rockies in 2014. He had 24 home runs, uh, slugged an ISO of, uh, isolated power of 255 and uh, had a weighted run creation plus WRC plus of 140. Um, already on the season this year, he has, uh, according to fan graphs, wins above replacement, pretty much matched that season already. Um, his weighted run creation plus is at 182, and his ISO power is at 299. So even mm-hmm. in his, and he has 12 home runs already, so um, half as many of that season. So even through his breakout year, which you know, a lot of folks were, were questioning, you know, is this just Coors? Uh, the Coors effect is always a question anytime you have a rocky uh, hitter that, you know, explodes out. Um, but now, as we can sort of see, he had 24 home runs last year in the Trop, uh, or playing in the Trop, you know, as his home stadium. And now this year, already 12 home runs outperforming what he did back with the Rockies in 2014. Uh, yeah, he's not just a, a Coors mirage. He is the real deal. It's really fun. You mentioned his uh, strike zone is huge, and uh, I, I bet we could put that Vlad Grow <laughs> comp to the test. But if you opened up the hardball times this morning, uh, and it possibly might still be near the top by the time that you listen to this, uh, Corey Dickerson was the image at the top of the hardball times. Uh, the article was by Ryan Pollock. It's called More Plate Coverage Isn't Necessarily Better. And it's an interesting article looking at the extremes, guys who can cover a lot of the plate, and guys who only cover a very small fraction of the plate and whether or not they can be successful. Uh, Dickerson was the example of a guy who can cover a ton of the plate and be successful. The polar opposite actually was old friend Taylor Motter, who is now in Seattle, uh, who (laughs) basically has a very, very small amount of room to work with. And uh, that's a, a reason why to think that might not be true for him. His success is more likely to go away if he can't control you know, a bigger zone if pitchers just start pitching away from him. Uh, by the time a pitcher pitches away, uh, or, or that's actually what leads, when a pitcher pitches away from a batter, that's when we start getting a clue that uh, the league starts respecting them. These guys can't pitch away from Dickerson, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, while we're talking about it, Ryan Pollock's article concludes, not everyone can be Corey Dickerson, and that's uh, one of his main points, is you need to kind of have a sweet spot. You need to be able to let those outside pitches go uh, past you so that you can continue to be successful. Dickerson's walk rate uh, is, uh, to his credit, higher than it was when he was with the Rockies and in line with his minor league career, but it's only 6%. Uh, he's never been a guy to you know take a ton of free passes like most of the guys are uh, at the top of the war leaderboards. Um, but yeah, man, he's just hitting. It's good. Yeah, he 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 does swing at a lot of stuff. He's definitely up there, and he is hitting. He is um, almost a little old school in that regard, where he will uh, uh, basically he's up there to swing, and he's he's not up there to walk. Um, so in terms of that, his um, he, he is hitting the ball hard, um, but again, not what, what's kind of great about the season so far is that there's nothing really that. Uh, abnormally spiked in his game. You know, it's not like he's making ridiculously harder contact than he has in his career. He's not like pulling the ball more. Um, there's really not a ton like that's just 
you know, absolutely exploding out. Um, his, you know, home run to fly ball ratio is obviously kind of quite a bit larger um, than than has been. But there's nothing that stands out as basically, you know, completely unsustainable or something completely out of character. It's not like suddenly some, right. some suddenly, you know, a pitcher that's wild for their whole career starts throwing strikes and never walking anybody like almost Fernando Rodney did when he had his amazing season with the Rays. And it's not like a, a hitter that would be a free swinger suddenly now is taking everything and, and, you know, drawing like walk rate of like 15%. He's, he's the same hitter he has always been. And it's just kind of working, um, you know, a little bit better for him. Uh, but this is definitely in his game. We saw that, you know, a bit last year, we saw that with the Rockies, he's got great power and, with a little bit better batter eye as he, you know, gets older, he's just getting a little bit, um, you know, better results. Uh, but yeah, if you go through his, like, you know, um, if, if you kind of dive into the numbers on, on fan graphs or baseball reference, uh, his swing percentage outside of the zone this year is 46%, um, which is, you know, a little bit higher than his career average of 41.8%, but that's, you know, pretty much right in line. His, Swinging percentage is pretty much right there, 58% to 54%. His contact out of the zone is actually slightly less than his career average at 71.3 to 71.5. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's the he is who he is. He um, he's just and perhaps what he what he's doing this year compared to last year, which wasn't a bad year by any stretch, but it wasn't quite the power season that we would have hoped. Um, you know, he still had a positive WRC plus. He still had a ISO over 200, um, still had 24 home runs, but, uh, it wasn't the Corey Dickerson that we were kind of expecting when, when you trade a guy like Jake McGee and also a nice prospect like German Marquez mm-hmm. was that he did, you know, the, the switch of, um, hitting coach sort of did, uh, I guess he's sort of made, he sort of said it sort of made a difference of, you know, telling him to be him, you know, don't, uh, don't necessarily go for more contact. Be be you and and swing like a like a madman and try to, you know, you're there to drive the ball. So so try it. Yeah, man. Well, some of the statistics that have been circulating today uh, on Twitter and are very obvious if you pull up the leaderboard. Diggerson leads the American League completely. Leads the league in batting average at 345. Crazy high. Total bases. He's over 100 total bases, uh, just whatever this is, six or seven weeks into the season. And we should level set where we're at. Um, He leads the league in multi-hit games, 21 of the Rays games, which is pretty much half. Dickerson has hit twice. And he's second overall in extra base hits. Um, Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Times. Because uh, (laughs) I just about lost my mind this weekend when I got a text... Uh, uh, multiple actually of, uh, cause, uh, I mean, it is known I live in Boston and I actually was on the road this weekend, uh, but I don't get the Tampa Bay times to my door and don't get the same physical impact that you get. If you opened up the sports section in the Sunday times and you just had a giant cover to cover spread of not a Tampa Bay Rays baseball player, it was a New York Yankees baseball player. Stop right there. That is absurd. I couldn't believe it. It doesn't matter that it was Aaron Judge. Are we supposed to be happy for the game of baseball? Yes, I am generally happy for the game of baseball when a 
any prospect comes up and is doing well. I want Miguel Sano to lose, but we just talked about Miguel Sano, and we're going to be excited to see him in the Twin Series. Whatever. Aaron Judge is a mammoth of a man. I don't know what he ate. He ate a lot of rice and beans. I don't know. Uh, it's Somehow, he is a huge human being who dwarfs Brett Gardner, and it's hilarious. I like it. It's a fun story. It's very you know physically imposing to open up the spread, and both the top and bottom page show you just how tall the judge is. Great. But this doesn't happen for the race players. Yeah, I don't think the... Um... Uh, the Post in New York or the Herald in Boston are going to be running anything like, hey, look how awesome and sexy Kevin Kiermaier's eyes are and check out this catch and a full front page there. Yeah, I don't think that I've ever seen that in. Um, yeah, that's a. <laughs> so listen, I, I'm a I'm a baseball fan first and foremost, um, I, beyond even being a Rays fan, I I I I you know, bleed with the Rays. I love them. I cover them, but I am a baseball fan. So I really do, you know, when it came time to the world series last year, you know, Cleveland versus Chicago, I was watching with rapt intent. Like I was nervous in that game seven and I had no rooting interest whatsoever. Um, you know, I like, I like, you know, Brandon, uh, Brandon Geyer is awesome. And, and there was actually a litter of Rays in the, in that game seven, you know, Mike Montgomery and, and Ben Zobris, obviously, obviously, but, but no, I was I was like nervous because it was just it was just great baseball. It was just what this sport should be. So I absolutely don't you know want to come at this from like a you know a raise Homer type of thing where it's just like you know you know who cares about you know Aaron Judge? He's a cool story. I get the story. He's got 15 home runs. He's uh, nine feet tall. Um, he eats redwood trees and uh, craps out like small volcanoes. It, you know, he's an awesome story, but you're the local newspaper for, and you have a, a baseball team that you cover, um, and they're not terrible. <laughs> like, this is not, you're not, like, stuck with the Devil Rays, you know, you're not stuck with the team that that is, you know, already out, you know, a first place by 14 games, they're going to win maybe 62 games, and you're going to be lucky. You're stuck with a team that has won the division over those Yankees and Red Sox multiple times in the last, you know, decade. This is a team that's made the World Series in the last decade. This is a team that's made the playoffs uh, even more in the last decade. Um, They are a perennial contender. Um, Sometimes it doesn't work out, but they are always kind of in the hunt. Uh, it is a little disrespectful to go with the great young player, especially when you do have a guy that is breaking out and the rest of the league is taking notice in Corey Dickerson. And yeah, I don't when believe Corey Dickerson. two-page spread of Corey Dickerson, who, you know, he's looking spelt this year. He shed that 25 pounds. He's got, you know, pythons for arms. Why can't you put him on the page? He he deserves it. And and you're seeing people like Joe Posnanski write about Corey Dickerson. You're seeing the Hardball Times, you know, feature him uh, prominently. You're seeing articles on fan graphs. You're seeing you're seeing all of these great, you know, national baseball guys, you know, talking about Corey Dickerson taking notice. And, you know, obviously all those same people have talked about Aaron Judge. He's a great story. But you are the local team. You have this awesome player who's making national attention. He's leading Sports Center some nights because he is hitting just ridiculous bombs. You can you can you know feel free to to give him a little bit of love and a little focus 
anytime you'd like. Uh, and he also is, you know, besting judge in a few of those categories. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're kind of neck and neck. This is not, you know, like it's it's just a very it's weird. It's weird. It's just weird, and it's kind of you know like I, like I get it. You can you can talk about Aaron Judge. You can you can like make a profile if you'd like. It's weird to do two full pages. That's that's really strange. Um, you would think that would be reserved for just very select, you know, sports yeah. figures. Yeah, I mean, I, I would especially have one that's not from. Jeter. Oh yeah, yeah, Jeter. He lives in Tampa. You know, he's buying a Florida sports franchise with, or at least trying to, or he's trying uh, to with has, the has Jeb. It been finalized, Jeb. Uh, <laughs> uh, please show up to the stand. Um, yeah, no. If if Aaron George, if Aaron Judge went to Plant High School, or if he went to Riverview, if he if he was a Florida kid. If he went right. to Florida so State I, University of Florida, it, there was it the, the, the first day of spring training, Roger Mooney got dispatched to Red Sox spring training headquarters. The opening day of spring training camp for 2017, Roger Mooney is not in Ray's camp. It was weird, but the logic held that, oh, well, Chris Sale uh, was a Lakeland product. And we want to do a feature on Chris Sale in the weekend times, you know, so we sent him down there to get this out of the way now. Uh, you know, there's going to be enough media there at the Rays camp for opening opening day of camp. It, it didn't feel like a, a good reason to me at the time, but you could reason it out. Uh, for, for those who do not live directly in the Tampa area, if... Um, uh, if you're a fan from outside of the Florida region uh, or the immediate area, the Yankees do have a strong presence in Tampa, and that's kind of why it's a big grind. If you're not familiar, across from Raymond James Stadium where the Buccaneers play, literally across the street is the Yankees' spring training complex. When you're driving down 275, the exit is you know Steinburner Boulevard or Way or whatever the heck it is. Uh, it is... You know, painfully obvious that this is where the Yankees are here in Tampa, and they've been there for a very long time. A lot of Yankees fans still exist in Tampa Bay because the Yankees had set up their spring training shop here. And I, I, I get that you you could be appealing to the older fans, those fans who, um, like my grandfather, my dad's dad, loved him some Yankees because they were just perennially a fun baseball team to watch. He's got decorative plates with Babe Ruth on them. Whatever. But there's no excuse for glorifying the Yankees when you have not properly given the same sort of attention to the local team. If the, if you have a genuine complaint against the team's fan base for their participation, for their interest, whatever it might be. The Rays are consistently in the top half of all of baseball for television rankings, and uh, Tampa Bay is in the top 20 TV markets in the United States. So it's hard to say that they don't have a strong fan base. The facts are not on your side. The only thing you could point to is attendance. And this game that's on in the background right now, again, May 23rd, is the lowest attended game of the year so far. It's just barely over 9,000 tickets sold. So guaranteed we're going to see a Topkin tweet. You know, we're going to see, you know, maybe some national media jokes along the way. Uh, we get it. The stadium is only near, uh, only a 30-minute drive for 10% of the population for all of Tampa Bay. It is a very difficult place to get to on a Tuesday. Uh, 
You know, the club might be going up on a Tuesday, but the drop is not. It's a problem. You can make legitimate arguments against the fan base. You can write legitimate stories about the Yankees. But these kind of stories do not get told about the Ray's own players. And it doesn't make sense. So the, the only profile that I've seen recently, you know, Wilson Ramos is, is coming back from injury, so we'll see something on him in the paper. That's fine. And Martin Fennelly, who's not a baseball writer, uh, did throw together one of his um, uh, word scrambles on Chris Archer recently, where he basically said, Chris Archer is good. Recently, Chris Archer had not been good. I watched two recent Chris Archer starts. They were good starts. I enjoyed watching them. We'll see if it keeps up. Martin Fennelly. It's not an actual <laughs> profile. But the profile written for Aaron Judge, you would have thought, these are Yankees beat writers. It just doesn't make sense to me how you could put another franchise above your own. It's it's very strange. And so the baseball, as a general, you know, to talk, you know, kind of more on the larger scale... Uh, baseball does have, and they've sort of talked about this, sort of like the an image issue, not not necessarily an image issue in terms of like you know what football's facing with with um, CTE and concussions and and all of that issues. They have an issue in terms of attracting youth to the sport. They have a problem um, attracting uh, African Americans to the sport, um, and they also have a problem kind of profiling stars. They they don't you know it's you can you know who the top you know, five NBA players are, you know, who the top five, you know, football players are. And everybody knows who, who like the top five, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. And you can take, you know, James Winston out of that because he also is a Florida State um, product. So that doesn't really even count. But, you know, people know, you know, the starting tackle for, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What baseball struggles with is, you know, how do you make guys that are very deserving of being superstars around the league? Um, people like, you know, Francisco Lindor and, and you know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, sure. Aaron Judge or even a guy like Corey Dickerson. Like that could be, you know, Evan Longoria and Kevin Kiermaier are also guys that, you know, these are marketable guys. They, they, uh, Chris Archer is an amazing interview. He's a, he's a good looking kid. He is really smart and well-spoken about a lot of different issues. So like, these are people that you can profile. And so, you know, the national media, you can't really complain like, Oh, they're not giving the Rays enough uh, of a spotlight, but it is totally fair to complain that the local media is not giving a spotlight. You know, when you have your local, um, radio broadcasters and your local newspaper, they're not, they're the ones that should at least be trying to, to let us and let the fans kind of become attached to these guys, uh, become real fans of these people, not just the team. And, and that's sort of the issue there is that, you know, you, you have this sport that is trying to market it, it's players, it's star, it's star talents. Uh, it's it's great personalities, and you have a have a great opportunity um, with the newspaper to you know get a casual fan who will maybe watch the games on the television, but they they haven't gotten that connection to the uh, to the players. They they don't fire up the internet. They don't read a bunch of our um, articles on D-Rays Bay about you know why Corey Dickerson's so awesome. You know every every week. Uh, 
so it would be great to have the Tampa Bay Times full page in the sports section be about how, you know, how awesome Chris Archer is and all of the great stuff he does, uh, you know, with after school programs and speaking with kids and, and, and youth empowerment. And then maybe you have people that go, you know what? Hey, I, you know, I'm going to brave the bridge. I'm going to go over the bridge. I'm going to go to the trop and I'm going to watch Chris Archer pitch because I, you know, I didn't know how awesome this guy is. I want to support that team and I want to support that player. That's the opportunity. And that's where it's so disappointing to see them spend time profiling somebody that is going to have plenty of opportunities from ESPN and MLB network and, Heck, New York, which is kind of known for having some newspapers, too. So the the sports page, uh, I have it here in front of me. We might as well talk about it. This is Sunday edition, May 21st, blah, blah, blah. Yankees, Tower of Power. Rookie Aaron Judge, the largest big leaguer ever, is rising to stratospheric heights. And then if... If you scroll to the bottom of the page, literally, so Judge is walking toward you in the photo, and his foot is extended, and just under where his foot is trotting, if if I zoom in on my picture all the way, I can see, Rays get over the hump. Red Hawk, Corey Dickerson, homers twice. Page six. <laughs> page six. Page six. Corey Dickerson, homers twice. If, if you just flip the page to see what was going on with Aaron Judge, you've got a bar graph. You've got uh, something that's been big letters, size and strength. You see him swinging. You've got a neat, like, you know, pie chart almost. You know, MLB hardest hitters this season runs through the list. Miguel Sano, Paul Goldschmidt, you know, Nick Castellanos. Oh, look, Tim Beckham's on the list. But, and where's and that would be a great opportunity to profile, hey, former yeah. top prospect, Tim Beckham, he's smashing the ball right there with Aaron Judge. And he's not, you know, six foot ten and like two hundred and eighty pounds. Like that's a great opportunity. They did not take that opportunity. Man. And then the but that's <laughs> that's page two. You know, if you look at page or actually would you look at that as page four, excuse me. Page five is a continuing profile of Aaron Judge. And it's a huge thing. It's got a picture of Aaron Judge on The Tonight Show. It just goes on and on and on. I did not know Roger Mooney had this many words in him. And unfortunately, <laughs> they're all about Aaron Judge. And I, I, am a, you know, I am a Mooney fan. I love when he profiles a player. In fact, I think that's when he does his best work, is when he's writing player profiles. I do not want to read one about Aaron Judge if I have not gotten player profiles from Roger Mooney on, you know, Alex Cobb's transformation into a curveball emphasis pitcher for his for his breaking ball and his you know, or his off speed stuff. I have not read a Roger Mooney profile on, you know, something meaningful about Daniel Robertson. I don't know what to say. I felt like that that is a poor use of the resources to devote all the energy and the most attention to Aaron Judge. Now, perhaps, you know, this is what sells. Newspapers are possibly for old people. I don't know what to say. Um, maybe it's these 
older population, people who want to read about the Yankees, and they're more inclined to pick up the Tampa Bay Times to get to the sports section if you know that an Aaron Judge profile is there. This argument doesn't hold up. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine there's too many... Um... Like I understand, like maybe playing to your audience, and and since there are so many transmitting from New York, that's maybe playing to your audience. But it's not like I can't imagine these. You know, if if you're if you're an old person that's reading the newspaper, you probably are already a customer. Um, if you are a young person who's a huge Yankees fan and you're loving Aaron Judge, I don't think you're buying the Tampa Bay Times anyway, and I don't think that's going to be a huge amount. You're not consuming media that way. So I don't know who this is really for, except for maybe just, you know, like, I feel like if you want to learn about Aaron Judge and you're a Yankees fan, I think you already know. And you've seen enough profiles. He's he's pretty popular out there. You can read plenty about it. I don't think you're waiting to to hear what Roger Mooney has to say before making your final judgment. Um, judgment. <laughs> Oh God! I just walked into that. Damn it! Now, oh, see, now man. I'm disliking the player. Now I'm disliking because I'm actually accidentally punning. Um, so we, we were talking about Roger Mooney's giant profile and all this stuff. Uh, I do want to also say, like Monday, the day after, um, uh, Martin Fennelly also wrote about. I mean, like a very short. Like I think most of the things are just one line in it. Um, so very, very great sports broadcasting there. He basically just wrote this little thing about his catch, um, makes a pun about him being tall, and then um, also calls him the six foot seven pound or six foot uh, seven um, heighted judge. So that not even comparing him to what what Roger Mooney did the day before. Uh, but the title is what really ticks me off: is that he writes this is the title verbatim. Hey somebody really ought to write about this Aaron Judge guy. Like, what a what a cheeky guy. What a cheeky guy that Martin Fennelly. That's the name of the article. That's the name of the article. Hey, somebody really ought to write about this Aaron Judge guy. Which um, is funny. If it was an article that was facetious, that was mm-hmm. tongue-in-cheek, that was making fun of the ridiculous amount of press coverage that Aaron Judge has already received, that's another element of this. It's, it, it's just hopping on a bandwagon of coverage for coverage that was already taking place. They were not leading, you know, the wave here. They were responding to it. They were writing it. And if that was an opportunity to just do a whole bunch of judge puns about his ability to judge the strike zone or, you know, hammer baseballs, uh, something about robes, I don't know. If I sat there for a while, I could probably come up with a good number of puns about you know how unlawful his good talent is or something. It was a lot for us to get emotional about, um, but I do want that emotion to be justified. We're not saying that the Times should not cover fun, exciting baseball players. In fact, please continue writing about baseball. Give me more content to read. I'm going to be reading the Times every day. I will take as many baseball stories as you want to put on the site. I will read most likely every single one of them. However, when the coverage is uh, disproportionate uh, toward another team that's not your own, that's when it becomes unacceptable. It's not that your coverage about the race has to be necessarily positive. Uh, Feel free to criticize the team, 
you know, come up with new reasons why you might be upset with uh, the way a recent contract was structured or whether or not the Kiermaier contract was a good idea. Um, you know, these are things that can be explored. Uh, you, the bullpen management, what the bullpen was made of, there are, there are complaints that you can be making against the team. It doesn't have to be positive. I wish it wasn't as negative as it already is. But there's been nothing like this Sunday coverage, except maybe one Sunday a year when the baseball season starts, and that's it. This was disproportionate. Maybe befitting the size of the player about which they were writing. <laughs> but uh, it was an extreme disappointment. And, uh, you know, I, it made me angry, but it also made me sad. Uh, not because I'm a homer and I just love the Rays. It made me sad because uh, if people complain like Times writers do about the fan base, what are they doing to endear readers or engender the fans to uh, to watch more, to care more about the local team? Check out uh, more of our articles, profiles, game previews, recaps, and everything at DRaysBay.com. And especially this Thursday, we have a... Uh, not just at D-Rays Bay, but whole uh, SB Nationwide um, fan post competition. So uh, if you want to kind of drop on in, please contribute. That will be awesome. And uh, check us out on that site. Also, follow us at Hit Show Podcast. If you have any questions, uh, send us a tweet out there, and uh, we'll either answer it directly or on the show. Um, also, you can send us emails uh, about whatever you would like at Podcast at gmail.com. And also, again, please rate us and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Until next time, I've been Darby. For Danny and Dustin, we have been The Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com.